Welcome back to the Wake Up With Glow podcast with me, Glow. Today we're going to be examining the difference between expectations and hope. And the reason why I feel this is such an important distinction is because it's one of those things that we tend to not differentiate in our lives. And anything that we don't differentiate or distinguish from something else, we blindly live into. And what ends up happening is when we don't characterize the difference, the very important difference between expecting something to happen and hoping that it will, then we lose sight of the actual intention and meaning implicit in both expectation and hope. And it's really, really important in anyone's journey of self-awareness, anyone's path to growth and becoming more of themselves, better versions of themselves. It's important that we understand the words that we employ to describe how we are living. Not just so that other people can understand what it is that you're doing, not really for that reason at all, but more so for you personally, for the dialogue that you have in your own mind when you talk about with yourself or talk through as you go through your day and think different things and analyze what you're doing, that you have the right terminology and that you believe in the terminology that you're using because it all contributes to you being more effective in the plan that you implicitly or explicitly set forth for your life. Expectations tend to depend on someone. That's the first distinction that I'd like to make, is that expectations depend on someone, whereas hopes do not. Hopes themselves are rooted in you and your own desire. They're very personal and much of what you hope for comes from something within your subconscious that has been planted there and probably cultivated for quite some time that causes you to remain hopeful about something happening. Expectations, on the other hand, are are things that you associate with other people. They're things that you sort of put your eggs in, in, in one basket and hope that it'll turn out the way that you think you would like for it to turn out. They don't really have much of you in them. And we're designed to project into the future with our higher level intelligence. Both expectations and hopes tend to do that. They project into the future. They're what we want to see happen. They're what we believe in or think that we believe in. They're what we think that we deserve on some level. But at the end of the day, I want to remind you in bold here that The world owes you nothing more than all that it has already given you. And I want to say that at the beginning of this discussion because I want you to remind yourself and and humble yourself in what you have already been given. It is easy to get lost in this race towards self-improvement, this race towards wanting more and abundance, however that may look for you that we tend to forget that we have already been given so much. And there was a developmental psychologist who gave a term, uh, this term called magical thinking. He observed magical thinking in kids who were under the age of seven. 
And he described it as children who would think that their thoughts can cause something to actually happen. That it was their thoughts that made whatever it is they wanted to take place actually take place. And so an example of that, uh, which you could probably create in your mind and relate to, is the image of an angry child. A child who is being forced to eat carrots for dinner or peas for dinner. And that child is expressing that anger at those peas as though those peas can somehow receive that message and receive the intent of the child not wanting to eat them. And something will happen that will cause him to no longer have to eat them. The angry thoughts toward the peas or the carrots were were basically... The child believing in magical thinking. It was the child thinking that that aggression was going to lead to the result that they were looking for. That if they continue to be angry at the peas, that the peas will somehow magically fall off of the plate and onto the floor and they'll no longer need to eat them. The reason why the psychologist talks about magical thinking is because if you look at adults today, we don't really outgrow this magical thinking. It seems to us when we listen to this example, it seems absurd. Of course, just being angry at your food is not going to absolve you of needing to eat it. Or of course, in your adulthood, you get to choose what you eat to some extent, but it's not going to create this sudden result of not having to do the thing that you're angry about doing. And it seems that as an adult, our more developed minds would understand that. And yet we see that there is still magical thinking present in adulthood in the form of, say, prayer or with those who believe and live into the law of attraction. These are all ways that we as adults still continue to believe that our thoughts actually have the ability to create outcomes that there is a direct correlate between the two, and so we continue feeding those systems. Now, this isn't an argument for whether magical thinking is real or fake, whether it's something that actually does have a scientific relevancy in the way our lives turn out. The idea here is that thoughts attract events into our lives. Whether that's in the underdeveloped brain of a child or the more developed brain of an adult, I think that we can all agree that our thinking does in fact affect the outcome of the events that follow that thinking. And many adults struggle to let go of the idea that if you expect something to happen, now now this is taking this thought a little bit further outside of the convention of say prayer or the law of attraction, which I just mentioned. Many adults struggle to let go of this idea that expecting something to happen inevitably will lead to it happening. And this is where our discussion of expectation comes in and becomes incredibly important. This is where it becomes important to define what expectations truly are and to be able to distinguish them from the hopes that we have. Because what we tend to do is we tend to hope for things because hope has a more positive connotation than expectation does. We've sullied expectations by telling people and showing people that they don't often lead to our desired outcomes. So what ended up happening was many people started calling them hopes, even though they were still expectations. 
And we never went back. We never traced back to be able to distinguish between those two and to understand what it was that we were categorizing and how and whether it was truly what we were labeling it as. When we talk about the law of attraction, there's an important thing to note with it is that it depends on more than just a thought or a desire. It actually requires you to go all the way with that thought. It requires you to build your life around the conviction that develops from it, not just simply state an affirmation at the start of your day and expect that that is going to be made manifest. Expecting the world around you and the people in it to somehow shape shift to your desires was never the effective strategy that the law of attraction was promising. And the law of attraction maintains personal responsibility, which is what distinguishes it from expectation alone. When we expect something to happen or someone to do something, there is no personal responsibility. We are outsourcing our desires and sitting with our fingers crossed, hoping incorrectly. Hoping incorrectly because the hope that ought to be in place of our expectation is much more fruitful. The hope actually has some personal accountability in it. The hope is rooted in a more intimate source from within, whereas the expectation is merely the workings of the ego, telling you what you deserve, telling you what you don't need to work for because it's already yours. Hope doesn't work that way. Hope is based on the premise of, I have these things deep within me that reflect my truth, that I know are meant or intended for me, and so I need to hope in a way and live in a way that is going to fuel that hope into fruition. Expectations become most problematic when there is no basis for them. If we break down any expectation that we have, we need to be able to see some kind of logic, some kind of rationale for where that expectation came from and why it's plausible in our lives. Expectations based on experience can accurately predict a happy outcome, but those that project solely into some unwritten future, those tend to set us up for disappointment. And this makes uh, for a good place to question yourself when you have an expectation, when you recognize that you're expecting something. A good question to ask yourself is, what is the basis for my expectation? What is the basis for my expectation? Is there proof? Is there proof of positive outcome? Or... Do I just have a need or a desire that I'm outsourcing? Am I just giving up personal responsibility and hoping that it'll take care of itself? Or is there something from my experience, from the past perhaps, that indicates to me that this is likely to take place and thus my expectation is based more so on data that my memory has stored Versus simply off of me wanting something or thinking that I need something and outsourcing it to someone or something else. 
you wouldn't get mad. Okay, I want you to listen clearly, like very intently to this example. You wouldn't get mad at a car that doesn't drive you somewhere on its own. I don't imagine that you would ever leave your home and get into a vehicle and expect, get into the passenger seat of a vehicle and expect that that vehicle was going to get you somewhere. Now, let's try to take electric cars out of this. Let's try to stay within the realm of lower technology here. You would not expect that the car would drive you somewhere on its own, but you might get mad at a person not driving you somewhere. You might get mad because you have an expectation that that person will take you to work or to wherever you need to go. You have an expectation that that person will take care of something. You outsource your personal responsibility to someone else, but you don't outsource your personal responsibility to an inanimate object. And the question is, why? Why is it that our expectations of people in our lives seem to be heightened versus our expectations of anything else? Pick anything else. We don't expect nature to behave in a particular way that fits our favor. We don't expect the inanimate to obey what it is that we expect of it. And the reason for that is because we have implicit social contracts. And what those are, are without any actual direct agreement, we create these stories in our minds as to what someone else should do. This is something that's created in the relationships that we have personal relationships, professional relationships. We develop implicit social contracts, unwritten rules for how other people are expected to act around us, for us, with us. And there's an important differentiation between a realistic versus an unrealistic expectation that it really is to our benefit to be able to separate in our minds. A realistic expectation is some repeating pattern that has led to a specific outcome. And thus, it can be expected to again produce that outcome. That is an expectation that is realistic. The, it gets light in the morning. The sun comes up. I expect the sun to come up. I do not expect to wake up and find myself in darkness. For the entire day. That is a realistic expectation. It is based on the experiences that I have had with waking up and seeing a lit up sky. Learning to communicate your expectations also doesn't guarantee that they're going to be met. And and that's something that many of us tend to miss, especially when we're emotionally invested in certain relationships. Just because you have learned to communicate. And as a side note, the reason why that expectation is so heavy is because we have struggled, many of us, for so long. If you have, if you consider yourself a good communicator, if you've become a good communicator, or if you've always been one, it has been a struggle likely for you to find other people who communicate as effectively as you do or who communicate in the ways in which you do. And so learning to communicate your expectations has been a feat of your life. It has been something so wonderfully productive and and something you're proud of. 
that now you expect that that communication should lead to better outcomes because you're doing your part. And so I'm going to tell you, learning to communicate your expectations does not guarantee that they're going to be met, which is a huge bummer for the person who tried so hard to become a good communicator only to find themselves not benefiting from that communication necessarily. Although I will argue there is incredible benefit to the self and to others by enhancing your ability to communicate effectively. But I digress. Expecting someone to do what is in your best interest will not guarantee that your expectations will be met. Maybe, just maybe in the short term, but certainly not in the long term. So that's something to note and to keep in your mind, to put an asterisk next to. Very important to remember that. And it's important because that's something that will always be a a matter of concern in relationships with anyone, with anyone. Our expectations are always going to be different. What you expect of someone, what they expect of you, those implicit social contracts, that is always going to be there. And so to be able to reel in that expectation and understand that it won't guarantee you. Anytime you give up your personal responsibility in a situation by expecting something of someone else that directly affects you, you have to be prepared for that expectation to not be met. And so it's important then to manage our expectations. And it's each person's responsibility to manage their own need fulfillment. And that requires a couple of things. Primarily, that requires knowing your own needs, which is probably the biggest feat. After you figure out your needs, which are changing constantly, or by constantly, that could mean every few years, every decade, every season of your life, who knows? Every time the sun comes up as you expect it to. But knowing that your needs are going to change and you have to know those needs as they do. The next thing is effectively being able to communicate them, communicating your needs effectively to the person whom you're expecting to fulfill those needs. And the third thing being fulfilling others' needs when they don't jeopardize your own need fulfillment. This is important. You cannot and you should not aim to fulfill anyone's needs at the expense of your own need fulfillment. If you are stepping in for someone else and stepping out of your own self, of your own needs of self, it is going to lead to, one, a distrust of yourself for fulfilling your own needs, and it's also going to lead to incomplete or inadequate need fulfillment on the side of the other party. It is the same premise as you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot do anything as effectively as you would ideally like to if your own needs are not being met. And you have to partake in the need fulfillment of your needs. It is primarily your responsibility. And then secondarily, your responsibility to match with those people professionally and personally who can fulfill the other unmet needs that you yourself cannot or don't wish to fully fulfill. Those are personal choices that each individual has to make for themselves. So managing our expectations becomes incredibly important. When you enter new situations with people, be it a job 
or really any venturing out of routine, there are a couple of questions that you should ask yourself. The first thing is, what do I expect to happen? This is the expectation itself. What do I expect to happen? The second question is, what are these expectations based on? AKA, are they realistic or not? Are they based on some data that I have collected and stored in my memory bank? Are they based on repeating patterns? Do I have something to back up this expectation or am I just willfully outsourcing a personal responsibility? The next question is, where do they come from? Where do these expectations come from? What is the true source? What is the true source of this expectation? Why is this so important? This is important in every aspect of your life to understand where anything comes from. Any feeling you feel, anything that you do, the behavior that you have. Examining the true source of how you move you specifically, how you move through life is so important because it sheds light on the meaning of the expectation itself. It sheds light on what it is that you need. It is your subconscious speaking out to you in a whisper and only those who examine, who really try to thoroughly examine why they behave the way they do, why they think the thoughts they think, Those are the individuals who are going to better understand what it is that their subconscious wants. Something that many people never get to do, never choose to do, never realize is an option. But I imagine you being here suggests that you do realize that. And so make sure that you question where your expectations come from. What are their true source? And the last question for managing your expectations is, what am I looking to fulfill? Know this about yourself. When you expect something, what are you looking to fulfill? What is the need or the desire that you are looking to fulfill? And then you can follow that with the beautiful question of, is it my responsibility or is it someone else's? And then you can add on to that by saying, Do I want it to be my responsibility or do I wish it to be someone else's? And why? Why do I want to outsource this? Why do I want someone else to step in and do this for me? And then the pinnacle question becomes, is it okay? Is it okay? And this is for you to work through and decide. Is it okay for me to release control of this need And look for it to be fulfilled outside of me? Or is it something that I truly need to overcome? The fear around, overcome my resistance to, and fulfill this need for myself. That is your personal quest, question, and decision to make. No one can answer that for you. Which is fortunate and unfortunate. It is a question that people ask for lifetimes trying to figure out which parts of themselves they are supposed to tend to and which parts they are allowed to be interdependent with. It's no doubt that we live as interdependent creatures, but what we haven't come to know is to what extent are we interdependent? 
And that is a decision that every person has to make for themselves. To what extent do you wish to be interdependent? Where do you want to need someone else and where do you wish not to? Or where do you not need to need someone else? And where could you be more flexible and and perhaps let someone else in to change the way that you do things or the way that you are? And I want to point out how important it is to learn to truly savor what is. The true antidote to unmet expectations is to be able to savor what is. To put it another way, it's to cultivate contentment. Learn to cultivate contentment in your life. The quest for more doesn't necessarily bring you more. The quest for improving and and better using oneself in the service of someone or something else, that is what brings you more. The sensation of more, the reality of more, the embodiment of more, also known as fulfillment. There is no space to expect when you are focused on what feels true for you. There's no space to set expectations when you are truly committed, mind, body, spirit, committed to your truth, to honoring your integrity. And it may be difficult for many people to live a life of integrity because of the different constraints uh, of life itself. However, It is not as difficult to understand when you are living in integrity and when you're not, when you are being truthful to yourself and when you're not. These are the things that our body so sensitively responds to. We know, we know based on the changes in our body, the changes in our moods, the changes in in our being when we are not being true to who we are. If we just pay attention, if we just look for that, And many don't wish to look for that. Many prefer to live in a state of denial. But you don't have to. And it's in your best interest not to. Following whatever is available to you that aligns with your truth. That is how you cultivate a life of integrity. It is not by expecting the world to give you more. It is not by expecting for other people to step in and be the step stool to where you're trying to be. It is you truly taking what is available to you and figuring out which elements align with you, with your soul. One little thing at a time, figuring out What fits well with you? Because you can expect to be disappointed if you do anything beside that. There is really nothing else that you can do except listen to your truth, listen for your truth that will bring you any true peace and certainly not fulfillment. Your expectations are ego-based, but your hopes, your hopes reveal your true beliefs and values. To be hopeful is not the same to expect the world to 
bring you what it is that you need. To be hopeful is to look inward and to ask yourself what you actually want. And what you want, what you truly want, ought to be a product of what you truly are. And then it becomes a little bit more seamless. Being hopeful when you are being true to yourself looks very different from being hopeful when you are deceiving yourself or when you are living in denial. Never pray or ask for anything that doesn't already exist innately within you. Just pray and ask to be able to use what you are and use what you have, what is available to you. To live truthfully. So the question I will leave you with is, are you hoping for something or are you expecting it to happen? This is what it ultimately comes down to. Whatever it is that you are seeking right now, whatever it is that you feel uncertain about, that you feel is missing, lacking in your life, whatever it is that you are striving for, the next thing for you, whatever that next thing is, are you hoping for it or are you expecting it to happen? And the answer that you give to that question should be directing you into your next step. Because if you're hoping, then there's likely an intrinsic element of what it is you're pursuing that is really so profound that you need to be working around that hope, working around understanding what what you need to do to, to continue to lift your truth up out of your subconscious and into your physical reality. But if you are expecting something to happen, then you are doing little more than outsourcing your personal responsibility. You are outsourcing your self-actualization, which cannot be outsourced. You can only experience the illusion of effectively outsourcing because maybe for a moment it seems that things are working in your favor. But in the long term, you can't outsource all of your needs. You can't outsource what is you because it requires your effort and your energy in order to actualize. Hence, self-actualization. So with that, I leave you hopefully with some things to ponder, some things to ask of yourself, to journal about, to share with a friend. And I hope that you find a way to incorporate this thought process into your daily routine or whenever you feel like you're at some some crossroad that is really confusing you as to why you can't seem to get yourself to do the thing that you say you wish to do. Are you hoping for it or are you expecting it to happen? 
I love you guys so very much. And if you enjoyed this episode, I graciously ask you to please send it to someone who may be able to benefit from this information, benefit from even beginning to scratch the surface or think about this a little bit differently. And as always, I am here with and for you. Until next time, have a beautiful rest of your week.